This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. We are here today to discuss Season 5, Episode 8, called Gliding Overall. It is the final episode of the first half of these Season 5 episodes, which is only important because they aired in these two chunks. So there is a cliffhanger that we see at the end of this episode, which meant that if you were watching this in real time, you had to wait, I think, like four or five months before you got to see the resolution and what happened. So I can't imagine having to do that. I I think that I actually watched. I was caught up in real time to this. So oh, were you? I believe nice. I believe that I, you know, had to wait that that time in between, and there was all this talk about what's going to happen. But before we get into that, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, co-founder of this podcast, co-founder of the entire Vernacular Podcast Network, Zach. Zach, how are you? I'm doing well, Josh. Love the intros always. Uh, I love how you just make the Vernacular Podcast Network sound like this massive <laughs> network on I mean, par with like The Ringer or something. <laughs> could be one day. Could be one day. <laughs> Maybe. Got we'll a couple see. hit shows, so you never know. Yeah, that's right. Well, this is a this is a pretty good episode, and and it's highly ranked by many people who who have uh, you know ranked these things, and I think for good reason too. It has one of probably the most impressive set piece that the show's put together uh, that we're going to talk about. It's both both of our uh, choices for best scene, so we'll get to that in just a little bit. But before we do, are you ready to jump right into the two minute summary? I am, and this one, first of all, looks like it might actually be closer to two minutes. It's pretty long, and I'm gonna I'm gonna time it. I'm gonna turn on my stopwatch. There are hyperlinks, Josh. It. Hyperlinks. Wow. I'm excited to well, see how good this is. This is. I'll make sure. Yeah, I'll make sure to point out what the hyperlinks are. The synopsis writers through. are stepping up their game on Wikipedia. You know, season five, really good season, and they're trying to get their summaries up to par. Yep. Bring out the big guns. All right, so here we go. I'm gonna time this as I read this two minute summary from Wikipedia. Here we go. Walter meets with Lydia to obtain the names of Mike's associates. Lydia partners with him to expand his distribution overseas to the Czech Republic. Walter takes the names to Todd's uncle, who has ties with hyperlinked Aryan Brotherhood and hyperlinked gangs operating in the prisons. Mike's lawyer and the nine prisoners, including at least one ready to flip for Hank, are killed. Walter's meth production runs profitably and uninhibited. Skyler makes another effort to convince Walter to give up meth production, and Walter ultimately relents after realizing they now have more money than can even be counted. Walter pays back Jesse his cut of the planned methylamine sale and ceases production and distribution of his methamphetamine. The Whites' children move back in, and the family seems to be back in order. During a family cookout, Hank flips through hyperlinked leaves of grass and hyperlink in Walt's bathroom and sees the dedication to quote WW end quote by quote GB end quote as Hank recalls a conversation with Walt regarding the initials from his earlier investigation surmising that quote GB end quote is Gail Bedecker also hyperlinked he realizes that Walt is Heisenberg okay I'm going to stop my timer there and that was one minute and 20 seconds. Oh, okay. So certainly a little bit longer than what we've been uh, been dealing with before. Three hyperlinks here, Zach. First, yeah. before you give me your grade, appropriate hyperlinks? Uh, I would say sure. I mean, <laughs> I just don't understand what, what the writer was thinking. Like, why, why link Aryan Brotherhood and Leaves of Grass, but not Czech Republic? 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why link Gail Bedecker and not Mike or Todd? Right. <laughs> like there's exactly. some there's some sort of arbitrary uh, choices made here that I don't fully understand. But I, I mean, I have no. The more hyperlinks, the better. I, I love hyperlinks on Wikipedia because it allows me to go on these Wikipedia just yeah, rabbit just holes. Rabbit holes. Yeah. Yeah. And Gail has a pretty nice entry on. It's under a sub separate. It's like list of Breaking Bad characters, and he has a nice four paragraph entry there. So. That's pretty nice. The yeah. Aryan Brotherhood thing. Yeah, I can see that why that's linked. I, I don't really understand why we're linking Gail Bedecker. Like he was a pretty big character. So even though, you know, we didn't link Declan, we have no idea who he is. And I just really don't understand that. So but but anyway, what do you think of this? This summary? I mean, this is pretty clearly a different writer, which probably explains why there are any hyperlinks at all. This is yeah. I think one of the best summaries we've had so far, it's not perfect. I would give it a B plus. And uh, the biggest thing to me that brings it down is the fact that at the end it says that Hank realizes Walt is Heisenberg. I don't think we're that far, right? That's a little bit of editorializing. Yeah, exactly. I think we're definitely, and, and you, you see more of this in the next episode, but we're at the point where Hank realizes that could be the case, but not that, that is the case. Yeah. Yeah, I think, too, that the the other interesting thing about this, this summary is that, you know, the the order is a little bit out of out of place. I think that's probably just to to make it easier for sure. the, the the reader to understand. I'm going to give it a B only because I had a little bit of trouble reading it. I don't know why that was. It felt like some of the sentences were a little long, maybe a little run on. But, you know, it, it does cover all the major points. It also might be because you were saying hyperlink and end yeah, hyperlink. I don't know why. I don't know why <laughs> after each that. hyperlink, that's, that's a that's a good point. A retracted, retracted. <laughs> I will also say it wasn't Mike's lawyer, was it? I mean, Saul was Mike's lawyer. This was the lawyer for the other nine prisoners, right? So that's who they're they're talking about who was killed. So if you read this and you're thinking, hmm, Mike's lawyer is Saul. Was Saul killed? But they don't even mention Saul in this episode, so it's a little confusing there. A little, a little bit of. Well, isn't it isn't it talking about the guy who was arrested by the D? Yes. Yeah. So that so was like, it's yeah. the lawyer that Mike hired, I think, to represent the other guys, but it's not Mike's lawyer. So right. It's not, good point. Yeah. So it's listed as like Mike's. It's like possessive, so it's Mike's lawyer. So like the lawyer who represents him. Right. At least that's how I read it. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. He's like he's like Mike's errand boy because he's filling the money in the safety deposit box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I also think Mike probably edited this this summary because Walter is used instead of Walt or Mr. White. Case, so, yeah, this is yeah. written by. If ever we see Mr. White, that's a that's a prime <laughs> example that Jesse wrote it. Exactly. Right? He was involved in the summary somehow. All right, Zach, let's move on to trivia and bloopers here. What did you have for this episode? Yeah, sure. So um, a couple things. Uh, a blooper. Bin Laden was not dead by the time this scene supposedly took place. Bin Laden was killed on, I think, May 1st, 2011. It was definitely in 2011. This scene, chronologically, although it was this aired in 2013, so it was obviously filmed after 2011 in real life, the scene is supposed to be reflecting something happening in 2008. And because of that, Bin Laden would not have died yet. Uh, and Vince Gilligan apparently acknowledged later that that was indeed an error. Uh, this episode won an Emmy for Outstanding Single Camera Picture Editing for a Drama Series. And since you're the filmmaker, Josh, I was actually going to ask you, what is single camera picture editing? Yeah, I think that just means that it, it differentiates from from shows that have multi camera. So some sitcoms like think about friends or, 
you know, Seinfeld or Frasier, those those like older sitcoms had multiple cameras operating at once. And this is uh, this is an example of a show that just has a single camera. You know, they they might they might use more than one camera in certain scenes, but typically it is one camera, move the camera, reset up. And I think probably for the most part, all drama series are shot this way, I would imagine. But don't quote me on that. But yeah, that's the difference. So using one camera versus using multiple cameras set up in a studio. So it doesn't mean that you have a single shot with no change in camera angle. Right. It just means that all the camera angles are composites from one camera moved around at different times. That's right. So I think the difference in the editing process is that you're using different takes, a lot of different takes. So, you know, you might look at what Brian Cranston is doing in, in a close up versus what he's doing in a wide shot versus what they're doing in a medium shot. Whereas on a multi camera show, you're using a lot of the same takes. You're just deciding possibly which camera angle is the best. Now, you so the continuity be becomes to, very important on a single camera right, one because exactly. you have to figure out how is this person like situated in this shot, and now we have it from this angle. Exactly, okay, which yeah. we talked about is, is in previous episodes is something that can be overlooked sometimes. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, thank you. Um, another piece of trivia: this title is a reference to Walt Whitman's "Gliding Over All," which is a poem, and it's very short, so I'll just read it. Gliding o'er all, through all, through nature, time, and space, as a ship on the waters advancing, the voyage of the soul, not life alone, death, many deaths I'll sing. I think the most obvious thing here is the many deaths part, right? This is, Walt commissions the deaths of all nine of these guys and the lawyer uh, while they're in multiple prisons. And uh, I think that's the reference that we see there in the final line of that stanza death many deaths i'll sing so i think uh the title of the poem very accurately one it's a walt whitman reference so you get the you get the hank looking at the walt whitman leaves of grass book at the end there but it's also a reference to the sort of main thematic event of this episode the uh, the killings in the prison yeah i i will not claim to be a a poet uh you know whisper i, I often have trouble with poetry as i do with shakespeare which uh, I do remember a couple episodes ago, I talked about being in a Shakespeare show. I realized they never said what show it was. I did remember it was All's Well That Ends Well for any of our listeners who are following that little thread from from our podcast. But yeah, so this is this is to me, I think, probably more more chosen because it references death and also was a Walt Whitman poem. So it probably fit. I'm thinking as if I were to be have if I were to have written this episode, and I was trying to think of something to connect everything. I probably would have just Googled like Walt Whitman poem death and seen what comes up. And that could have been, I don't want to speak for the writers. They could be far more intelligent than I am, but that's probably a potential reason why they called it this and why they use that poem. Yeah. The only other thing I'll mention in the uh, trivia piece is when Walt is meeting with the Aryan brotherhood guys commissioning the murders, there's a painting on the wall. The painting looks like it is of a man in a rowboat rowing away from his wife and family, perhaps. And Walt kind of stares at it and goes into one of his catatonic states, and we get the sort of audio cues of that, too, that it all becomes silent. The Aryan Brotherhood leader, leader guy is, like, trying to get Walt's attention. And Walt's just staring at this picture, and then the guy snaps in his face, and Walt kind of snaps out of it. And then he says, I'm just thinking about this picture. I've seen that picture before. And he actually has because that picture appears in Bit by a Dead Bee, which is the uh, the episode in which Walt in season two, uh, or was it three? I think it's two, right? Um, 
season, yeah, season two, episode three, Walt goes into his, you know, his fake fugue state, so to speak, and then, <laughs> you know, walks through a grocery store naked, et cetera, and ends up in a hospital, pretends he doesn't remember any of it, all to make a convenient excuse for why he disappeared for, you know, 48 hours in the desert. Um, and so it's interesting that, like, you know, the first time it was a fake fugue state, it put him in the hospital, and then the second time, it seems like a real sort of out of it moment that he has where he's staring at this picture of, by the way, a man leaving his family, which is really remarkable. And I can't figure out, it's some, you know, what the ringer would call half-assed internet research. I can't figure out what the painting is. I'm not sure if it's a, like, real known masterpiece or what. Um, I, I have not been able to, to find it, but um, I think that's just an interesting little thematic tidbit. Well, he does make a reference to the fact that he's seen it a bunch of places, which means he thinks it's it's widely reproduced, like it's nothing special. I think that's sort of the implication there. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting point, though. So that's I think that's everything for trivia and bloopers. We do have a couple things we want to talk about in broader thoughts and themes. One of them is, of course, probably the most important thing we see in this entire episode is that the fly the fly makes a reappearance. It's back. Could he be gunning for another a MVP second vote? MVP vote? Wow! You never know. If he goes two up on Walt Jr., that's just send Walt Jr. home. Seriously, take his ball and go home because I mean, he lost. He would. Uh, he also be ahead of Todd, and he'd be tied with Crazy Eight. Amazing. <laughs> that would be crazy. Now let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But yes, he does make an appearance at the beginning of this episode, and he's sort of flying around while Walt is is waiting for Todd to come in and help him clean up the what happened with mike which is a very like dark and and depressing sequence the other broader thoughts and themes that i wanted to discuss here and get your take on zach is you know walt does have this moment where he comes to jesse's house jesse is is not pleased that walt shows up in fact he grabs a gun just in case he needs it he never reveals this to walt but he's ready to take walt down if if he thinks that walt is there to uh, take him out but Walt really comes by to, as we talked briefly about in the last episode, to reminisce about the past, you know, when they were in the, the crystal ship cooking meth. And then he leaves him the five million dollars that he owed him, that he said he would never give, that he would never get. And so I wanted to get your take on why does he do this? Does he feel obligated? Is he actually having a moment where he's feeling some sort of kindness? I mean, we know that he has a special a special spot in his heart for Jesse. And it seems to be the only person he has re any real affection towards at this point, maybe his, his children, but you know, they're mostly out of the picture at this point. So what is your take on this? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, this happens chronologically right after he tells Skylar he's out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I think, I'm actually, I'm sort of ambivalent on this and ambivalent on this, and I might have a more defined idea by the time we're done watching through the whole final season. But I think at this point, Walt's exit, he wants to be real. I think he does want to be truly out of the game. And I think, at, you know, uh, he, he uh, Skyler takes him to see all the money that they have. And she says, this is more than we could ever spend in 10 lifetimes. I certainly can't launder it. And so what he basically has is like dead weight you know, kindling in case it goes up in flames, whatever, that's serving no purpose there. And he does know that he he does, in fact, owe Jesse $5 million. So this is, I think, money that's owed to Jesse. Now, like, I don't think it's just charity. I don't think it's just, like, goodwill. I think it's really just Walt recognizing, like, well, I don't need it. There's nothing I can do with it. It's just going to sit here. I might as well take it to my partner, who was my partner in crime for, you know, the better part of two years or whatever. 
Do you think there's any ulterior motive here where should he have to go back into the meth game or something that he's sort of, you know, priming Jesse for a comeback? You know, is this is this like Michael Jordan returning to the Bulls after after some time with baseball and saying, like, look, you owe me, man. Like, let's let's get let's get three more championships. You know, this may be uh, this may be the first time anybody in history has ever compared Jesse Pinkman to Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> I guess Jesse Pinkman's more like the Scottie Pippen. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the Dennis Rodman. There you go. I don't know. <laughs> Dennis Rodman. Um, he certainly got the like oversized uh, oversized pants um, and the tattoos and the yeah. tattoos. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I would say that he's priming Jesse to come back yet. But I do think Walt is calculating calculating enough to realize that he doesn't need Jesse on his bad side forever. And so by rectifying that debt that he does owe Jesse, he at least sort of hedges his bets for the future, right? So it's certainly yeah. a self-serving move in that sense. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else on broader thoughts and themes before we move on to best scene? Yeah, I actually have do I do have one interesting thing. And so I was doing some um some stuff on here with respect to the uh, the you know trivia and bloopers and I always look at these on IMDb they normally have a good collection of sort of some of the trivia and goofs from these shows and there's this this one part that com- comes up we remember we saw a couple episodes ago we saw the whole um, I'm in the empire business thing and he's sitting in Walt is sitting in his chair and he's got a uh, a tumbler with you know scotch or bourbon some some amber liquor in it and he's having it neat no ice and that tends to be the way that we've seen Walt drink stuff before but um, when he's drinking with Hank, Hank pours it for him on the rocks. And the interesting thing is people think this is a goof because they're like, oh, Hank doesn't drink stuff on the rocks. But um, I read on uh, IMDb here, this is incorrectly regarded as a goof. And then they just quote here, in previous episodes, Walt did not have ice with his drinks. However, Vince Gilligan has stated that Walt regularly takes on habits of people that he has killed such as cutting the crossed off as sandwiches after killing Crazy 8 or using a towel to kneel in the bathroom after killing Gus. In the episode 38 snub, when Walt and Mike meet in the bar, we see that Mike has his drink on the rocks. When Walt has a drink in this episode, this is a habit of Mike's that he is taking on after killing him. That's pretty remarkable. I, w- I would definitely not have recognized that uh, without the assistance of uh, the internet here, but I just found that really interesting. Yeah, that is totally interesting. And it, it's almost too perfect. Like, I, I don't want to say that it, it wasn't intentional, but it's almost one of those things where they could have made a goof and then they went back and they said, well, Mike had ice in his drinks. Yeah. Like maybe He's we could say that taking on the habit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does yeah. this work for everybody else? Yeah. Could we find something like it probably was intentional. We've talked a lot, a lot on this podcast about how the writers were very intentional with almost everything they've done, colors and songs and, and audio and everything. So it's likely this was intentional or at least to some degree, but I always like imagining what if it wasn't? What if it was just a goof and they came up with something after the fact? All right, let's move on to best scene. And I think that we have already mentioned it here that we're not going to play any audio. It's it's a really difficult scene to watch. Actually, I, I did I a- did pull some audio. Oh, okay, Josh. yeah, yeah. I, I know we had that in the notes, but I, I ended up pulling some because I want to play some of the um, some of the music that we have. Yes. Okay. Sick yourself up. Take a deep breath. Dust yourself off and start all over again. So I think the interesting thing about the scene is 
you know, it's, it's incredibly brutal to watch. You know, it's like, it's, it's hard to watch 10 guys get killed in, in, you know, succession and, and, you know, just watch that on your TV screen. But I think it's an incredibly important scene in terms of building character, because I think this is another inflection point where Walt really, truly becomes a kingpin like character. And it's not necessarily that he is, he, he's, he's more like self-proclaimed kingpin, but I think that this does sort of add to his resume. If you're going to, you know, unfortunately say that about him, but it, it's, it's just one of those things where I think in addition to the fact that it's important to the episode, it's also incredibly well done. I, I watched a behind the scenes video. I think it's available on YouTube. I'll see if I can find it. We'll throw it in the show notes if I can of how they, put this together and just the amount of coordination that it took to film 10 different essentially murder scenes, you know, that, that one where they trap the guy in the room and they light him on fire. Like that was, that was a, a shot that took them forever because they had to have a stunt double. They had to have proper safety. You know, they had firefighters on set. I mean, it's just like the amount of effort put into this scene and the way that it's not just shot, but also acted. You have Walt sort of completely juxtaposed I was reading that this was sort of like the scene in The Godfather where you have, you know, the scene of the Catholic baptism juxtaposed with a bunch of murders. And it's just sort of like these two things out of two separate worlds, but they're they're all sort of intricately connected. And and it's just also incredibly well put together in the editing room. So you can see why this episode won an Emmy for that. Yeah, I think most of what you talked about was the visuals, which are really, really impressive for that scene, and alone would do it for me. But I love the juxtaposition of that Nat King Cole song. I mean, if I was, if I were to just play the audio, right? You know, the the fact that this is like a brutal scene where ten people are murdered would be last on your your list of guesses on like what this what this audio is from. And uh, this happens pretty frequently in this show, actually, where the you know the sort of benign or even enjoyable music kind of belies the seriousness of what's going on there, and this Nat King Cole song, no exception, right? You just pick yourself up, take a deep breath, dust yourself off and start all over again. Nothing's impossible I have found for when my chin is on the ground. I pick myself up, dust myself off and start all over again. And it's a, it's like an enjoyable, happy-go-lucky song. But on a deeper level, it also works, right? Like it speaks to what Walt is doing here. He's back. He's backed up against the wall. His chin is on the ground, but he's going to pick himself up, dust himself off and start all over again. Uh, and as you said, he's going to, he's going to, you know, burnish his kingpin resume for, um, I don't know, LinkedIn kingpin.com. That could be like a, a, a <laughs> social, of the year. A social networking site for kingpin specifically. This is my candidacy for kingpin of the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here's what I've done. Murdered yeah. 10 people. That's right. Yeah. I also, you know, I, I like the idea that he's, you know, he's, we know he's not a good guy. We know that he's made a lot of bad decisions. I think him associating with these, neo-nazi aryan brotherhood guys it just even makes it even worse it's like these guys are these guys are not good they're nefarious characters nothing about them is redeeming especially you know just the way they're portrayed in this and to have wall it's just so it's so interesting to like watch him standing in his window just calmly looking at his stopwatch to you know see if this is going to happen it's you know talk about taking on traits of other people this is exactly what gus did you know, he would just sit in his office calmly That's a great point. while everything yeah. while everything happened around him. So, you know, it's just very well put together. And I think pretty clear winner for best scene here. 
Yeah, and, and I mean that's why I selected it for mine as well. There's uh there's no no argument I have with you for best scene there. Let's move on to best moment, and I think we we both would have chosen the same thing here too, uh, which is the the ending moment. We'll talk about that in just a second, but uh, but let's go to your other choice just so we have some uh, some other things to talk about here, which is. Uh, involved with the meeting that Walt has with Lydia. Yeah, so I mean, I think our, our best moments are they're they're two different genres, right? Your best moment selection uh, with Hank in the bathroom is one in which the audience watches a cast member come to an understanding that the audience already has. The other kind of genre, uh, and I I don't really have a preference for either one. They can both be equally powerful, I think. But but my selection here is a different kind of genre, which is where the audience is revealed something by a character that we didn't know previously, but is kind of a twist or gives us an insight into a character. And so that's what I chose here. I chose the the scene where Walt is meeting with Lydia. She's very nervous that Walt's going to kill her, et cetera. Walt just, just says, what a ridiculous notion. You think I'm just going to kill you right here, et cetera. And then he says, I want the names of the guys. And she says, well, I can give you the names of the guys, but they're all in my head. And I want assurances, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So basically, she's really afraid Walt's going to kill her. Walt assures her that is a totally ridiculous idea. She actually gives him the idea of the whole Czech Republic thing that we read about in the uh, two-minute summary. And they shake on it, so they're going to do business together. Lydia leaves, and then this is the moment. Walt picks up his hat, and under his hat is the vial of rice. And so he went there totally prepared to poison and kill Lydia. And so you're just like, whoa, this is this is next-level stuff. He is... All aboard the Kingpin train. He's going for Kingpin of the Year hard. Yeah, it's possible that he even, you know, his greed possibly even saved her life or spared her life, you know, for the time being. We don't know what will happen in the future, but because he is interested in this Czech Republic thing, because he thinks maybe I can make a little bit more money, he, I think he was going there with the intention of killing her, even if she gave him the names, putting the rice in, I don't know, whatever he was going to do with it in her coffee cup or whatever. I think he had every intention of doing it names or not, but this, this idea of I can earn a little bit more money ends up being her saving grace. Like that's what she intends it for, but, um, but it works. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, totally agree. So my best moment, and I think, you know, probably what, what is the, the premier moment of the episode, what, what people have been waiting for, is for Hank to find out or to make some sort of realization that Walt is Heisenberg. And we don't have any audio here because there is no audio. It's just Hank using the bathroom. And I guess this was like pre-smartphone. There was nothing else to do in there. So he like reaches behind him, grabs some magazines, doesn't find anything, but then he finds the Walt Whitman book. He flips through it. I'm not really sure why he flips through it. I mean, you would think he would look at it and be like, no, I'm not interested in this, but he ends up opening it up to the page where Gail has written something to Walt and he sort of, the last shot is him sort of going wide eyed and you know, you're not sure. Did he make the realization or not? Obviously the Wikipedia summary indicates that he did. We don't know that for sure at this point. I'm starting to, I'm starting to sound like those CNN anchors who won the president. We don't know at this point. We've got to count all the votes. We've got to count all the votes. You know, it's like, I mean, I'm here like, we've got to see what Hank actually knows. We don't know. It's, it's nothing is certain yet. Did you see but, Josh, there was this thing on, 
this is, you know, getting far afield, but there was this thing in Twitter where some guy was like every CNN anchor for the past week. And he is just like moving around on Google maps, looking yeah, at Ohio. He's like, look, and then down in this, this town in Ohio, uh, typically, typically a very blue town. We'll have to wait for the absentee ballots to come in. And then you, if you move east yeah. to east of here, this town is south of Cleveland, uh, typically a very, uh, very, uh, very Republican area here. It was just really funny. And then he's, and then he's like, uh, oh yeah, there's a, uh, there's green country club, obviously, uh, can, can, can go green sometimes, but, uh, went blue last time and we're going to zoom back out here zoom back out yeah <laughs> so good <laughs> anyway so we 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 at this point i mean this is one of those things that you talked about we've been waiting as an audience for someone on the other side to find out that walt is this massive drug king, kingpin that he's the one who's been making this blue meth and you know i i think we talked a couple seasons ago about one of the things that breaking bad did so well is that they waited until far enough along in the series for characters to start finding out that it didn't become detrimental to the show because you couldn't have two seasons of Hank knowing that Walt was Heisenberg and still make the show work. I think we talked, I think my reference was that in Dexter, characters started finding out that Dexter was a serial killer, like in season three or four. Yeah, that's which, so true. And, and then it, and then it ran in like four or five more seasons. And it Well, except they, for they, Sergeant Dokes, right? And like the, <laughs> the, the solution is just like if if someone finds out they yeah. have to die, right? Yeah, or exactly. or the show kind of falls apart. Dokes, what a great character! <laughs> great character. Uh, I won't do his signature quote because it's uh, it's a little filthy, but it is funny to watch on the show. Um, but that you know, so I think what Breaking Bad did he well here was that they revealed this information to Hank at a good time. We only we know that there are only eight episodes left. The writers had an end game in mind, so they weren't going to play this out like. Hank and Walt on the run, you know, fighting out in person, Walt on the run, you know, like there wasn't going to drag this out, which I think was a really smart thing, because ultimately, I think that is detrimental to the story because they have to start making excuses for like, well, maybe Hank goes on Walt's side or like maybe Walt has a change, you know, like they don't have to deal with any of that because it's late enough in the process that that's happening. It's just also a great moment. I love that they're able to deliver this information with no dialogue. And we do get a flashback to the scene where that great scene in the bedroom between Walt and Hank where, you know, he's like, WW, Willy Wonka, Walter White. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's great. And in, and I love that they use that as a flashback to remind you that this isn't the first time that he's even suggested it. And then Walt does the, uh, you got me, you know, the hand, yep. the hands up thing. Yep. And, and so I just think the scene is really well constructed too. It's just, and it's, again, it's the moment that, audiences have been waiting for for someone to find out yeah no argument for me there all right well let's move on to our best writing we'll go with yours first because sequentially it comes first in the episode but this is towards the beginning so what's the story you get the mic mm -hmm. you get out safe he's gone all right well, what about those nine guys in jail they got no reason not to talk now. So what do we do? We? Who's we? There is no we, Jesse. I'm the only vote left. And I'll handle it. So there's a couple things I like about this. The first is the clever writing with just Walt not directly lying to Jesse, but giving him the impression that all is good, right? Did you get to Mike? Yep. Yeah. He get out okay? <laughs> 
He's gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's <laughs> dead in the trunk, literally right next to where Jesse yeah. is standing. Uh, but the other thing I like is how they wrote in that pivot from Walt being almost timid about it and feeling obviously guilty and probably a little bit broken up to him saying, we, there is no we, right? And so you have the, <laughs> you have the, just the, the sort of switch right there. And then I guess there's a third thing too, which is not a, it's not dialogue, but it's, it's written in, I imagine into the script. And it's where uh, Walt basically walks Jesse to the garage door and then just closes it wordlessly you know we're, we're done we have nothing left to say to each other and i think that it was just a very well done scene well written all around and, and well acted yeah I, I do love that moment where he you know they're talking about did you get to mike yeah he's gone it's one of those things where if he had thought if jesse had thought a little bit more he would have said well, what does that mean like did he leave town right you know it's almost it's almost something that you wouldn't want to overlook like what what's going on here but i'll let that slide because the scene the scene is very well written otherwise yeah i actually think it, we can talk about this next episode but i wonder if jesse thinks on this a little bit more and has an inkling that not all is well with mike yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, he's not stupid, but maybe in the moment he just wanted to move on. And, you know, he has other things on his mind. Like, what are these other guys going to say? Like, right. Can totally. we get can we figure out what to do there? Yep. Well, my best writing is this scene between Hank and Walt. We don't get a lot of, of, of moments between Hank and Walt that are sincere. But this is right after all the witnesses have been killed in in Walt's sort of uh, hit on the prisons. And this is the dialogue we get between Hank and Walt. Every day, I go back, hike in, pick up where I left off. Oh, sounds nice, being out in the woods all day. No, it wasn't so great. I got sunburned, there were mosquitoes. Just wanted to make a few bucks, buy beer. I've been thinking about that job more and more lately. Maybe I should have enjoyed it more. Tagging trees is a lot better than chasing monsters. What I like about this writing is that they're giving Hank a little bit of backstory. And, and I like that they're giving him backstory that he clearly didn't have, like, great experiences in the workplace before he came to the DEA or at yeah. least this specific one. And yet he's reminiscing almost as if he wants to go back because, and I think what that, that says to the audience is that it's, it's a difficult job. I mean, he is faced with like, oftentimes we see Hank as the goofball and he's making jokes and he's cracking, but like, this is real. Like he has, we've seen him go through this PTSD. We've seen him have to recover from, from this, you know, serious injury that he received from from the cousins, you know, back a couple seasons ago. And I think that this is just sort of like his exhaustion reaching a certain level. And what I like about it is that the scene could have easily taken place with Marie. You know, he could have delivered the same thing to Marie. But the fact that you have him dialoguing with Walt, who is the monster, like he's sitting right there and he doesn't yet know it it's almost like dramatic irony and, and it's just really well delivered. And Walt is sort of, you know, in previous times when, when Hank was starting to talk about the blue meth or, or get, you know, get along those lines, Walt would try to steer. I mean, we know he literally steered a car into oncoming traffic to get them away from this. 
And he's so cavalier now, now that he's in charge, I guess. He's just sort of like, I'll never be found out. And it's just sort of that balance between Walt's ego, sitting on the couch, listening to Hank, basically like spill his, you know, spill his heart here and say that I'm exhausted. It's, you know, I'd want to go back to this clearly not fun job before. And, you know, he's just sort of smugly sitting there. I just like the juxtaposition that they wrote in there. I agree. And there's another juxtaposition here, not in this scene specifically, but with this scene. So this scene and the one with Walt and Jesse, right? Because Hank's not the only one reminiscing. Walt and Jesse then reminisce about, you know, the quote, good old days when they were just cooking meth and not also killing people <laughs> to do it, right? It was just, oh, yeah. just the good old days of us driving into the desert on the crystal ship that squeaked yeah, and, yeah. and banged and all that. And um, and so that's that's interesting to me as well. Yeah. All right. Anything else on best writing before we move on? I think that's it. All right, Zach, nits to pick. Give me any that you have for this episode. All right, I've got one. And I don't I don't even like that this is a nit for me, but it kind of it, it kind of affects the the best moment selection about uh, of Hank on the toilet. I don't one, I don't buy how he, you know, looks through the magazine for like two seconds before being <laughs> like, Yep, nothing yeah. in here for me. Let me see if there's anything else in this basket behind the toilet. I mean, first of all, this guy's like at somebody's house, right? Like, I don't think he's just going to be like setting up shop in there for 15 minutes and, <laughs> yeah. and perusing something. So that alone is a little bit unbelievable to me. And the fact that he, you know, digs down to the bottom of the pile is also unbelievable. And then to me, the biggest one, you kind of mentioned this already a little bit. He pulls out the leaves of grass. I, I'm pretty confident, pretty confident <laughs> Hank Schrader is not a poetry connoisseur. But yeah. he's like, no, this is more interesting to me than the magazine. And not only that, who goes to like the very, very first page where things are signed, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. he does. He just instead of looking at a poem and reading a poem, he's like, let me just go to the very beginning <laughs> and see if there's an inscription. <laughs> and yeah, and that's why he sees the inscription. So uh, once I like saw that again and, and was realizing that I was like, oh, this kind of ruins this moment for me a little bit. I mean, I it, an, the, like the moment itself is good, I think, because of Hank's reaction and the way that's sort of set up and everything. So I still agree with that. But like, I guess the lead up to it, the lead up to the reveal is painful. Yeah, I almost had a, a nit to pick with the fact that Walt even left it in there. You know, it's, it's clear, clearly like proof that he was involved with something. I mean, that you'd have to put a lot of pieces together, but it is a piece of evidence. And then I thought, you know, I sort of talked myself out of that because we've we've just been talking about how Walt's new attitude is this cavalier attitude like he just he's it's almost to the point where he's being careless and and clearly here he is like he's he's taking more risks and and covering up less because he's so confident in himself that self-confidence so I talked myself out of that one I just have two small things here we have this whole montage that we didn't really talk about between you know Jesse I mean between Todd and Walt where they're making math and I like that they included this montage, by the way, because at this point, Walt, Walt doesn't really have almost any money. So it, it's nice that they showed him earning a little bit of money, especially because at the end of this episode, he gets found out. So we know that he's not going to be able to make a lot more meth. He's going to be out of the business. But every time they would put a bag of meth into whatever liquid to be transported to the Czech Republic, yeah. I just cringed a little bit thinking like, there's no way whatever that is doesn't seep through the bags. I mean, like it's just it's like all this product you're sending overseas. I don't know. Maybe they triple sealed it. It's hard to say, but it was just like, ugh, I hate when they put 
and it's not the first time like gus transported his in the batter for yeah but it was like it was Poistermanas. food batter which is different yeah. from like toxic chemical sludge <laughs> yeah exactly that's fair you know i guess though if you're if you're using meth you're not you, beggars can't be choosers so i, I guess man yeah i've heard some stories about like you know the the stuff that certain street drugs will be cut with and it's, oh yeah it's bad news. nasty nasty stuff um yeah so maybe it's not an issue for like your average czech republic user <laughs> you, you heard lydia talk about the kind of pedigree meth they're used to using uh yeah, exactly yeah i was I, I had the same reaction i was just like oh man i hope i hope you uh, you've checked that bag for leaks you know like if there's one little <laughs> yeah. hole that badge is done exactly my other nit to pick is we talked about this a little bit last time when we were talking about the colors but this there's a very prominent scene of Marie's purple shag rug in the living room. And I just cannot imagine that Hank wouldn't have said something like, yeah, you know, Marie, maybe we could have a, a neutral color rug here. You know, like I, you can have purple in the bedroom or maybe, or, a, maybe an know, earth tone, orange brownish. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean like just the purple is so purple and she has yeah. that purple striped chair, which is so purple. Well, that's kind of what I was saying about like, it's a little bit psycho <laughs> to have yeah. that much purple in one room. Yeah, it's a little what weird. Is that, was my, this person? that was my other nit to pick here. I mean, I imagine right. if we were to see Marie's closet, just every single shirt, yeah. purple, purple, purple. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, let's move on to our MVP. Zach, I will throw this to you. The final episode of this first batch of season five episodes, who gets your vote this time? I am going to give this to Walt. It's, a, it's an easy choice, uh, but I think it's, it's the best one. So I'm going to go with Walt. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Walt as well, although I was teetering on giving it to Hank and mainly because of of that. You know what? Actually, I'm going to give it to Hank. I'm changing right. my mind nice. on the fly here. So Hank will go up to five here and Walt will go up to 28. And I, and I think I'm convincing myself to give it to Hank because I think Walt is, again, the easy choice here. But Hank has a couple pivotal moments here. Not only does he make the discovery or, you know, regardless of how it was built up, he has that sort of great moment at the end. But that's that that dialogue between him and Walt. That's that's one I, I love when we see characters out of their typical element, and it not only influences how he's going to move forward, based on his newfound vengeance for for solving this case, but it also sort of affects how Walt's going to move forward. And and so I, I I'm going to give it to Hank. I changed my mind on the fly. Did not give it to the fly, yeah, but. Well. You know, it was a long shot anyway. It was a long shot. It was a well-fought fight for the fly. But... That's right. I was surprised he even made another appearance. You know, so there you go. All right. Anything else on this episode before we wrap it up? That is all I've got. All right. We will be back next time with season five, episode nine. It's called Blood Money. Of course, if you have anything you want to reach out to us about, you have a little bit of time left. We have eight episodes to go before we wrap up our rewatch of Breaking Bad. So please reach out to us at breakingpod at vernacularpodcast.com. We'd love to hear listener feedback. We've gotten a, a couple great emails so far. We'd love to hear more. Send an email, audio clip, whatever you want. We'd be happy to discuss it on the show. Until next time, I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. Talk to you then. <laughs>